0: You know what, I missed you all so much, I decided to do a bonus episode. No, I know, I'll stop clapping, I know, I know, I'm amazing. In this one, we're going to be talking about some myths behind the science, and just some generally interesting myths that I personally find quite entertaining to listen to. We'll start with ancient 13. Archaeology shows that the Bronze Age aristocrats, on whom the heroes of myth are based, often had short, action-packed lives. Though some might live to their 60s, death was a constant companion which claimed most victims well before then. Do any of you remember who I said death was? No, not the overgrown raisin from Avengers, that's Thanos. Thanatos! Come on, people! Get with the program! It wasn't unusual for women to be mothers by the age of 13, Grandmothers in their mid to late 20s and dead by 30. That's a pretty crappy hand to be dealt with for life. You know, I that's not what I'd want. I wouldn't be happy with that card set. Another one of my favourite myths is Yus and Io. One of the hazards to being a beautiful maiden, especially a princess, in ancient Greece was Yus. As you will well know, he kind of hit first and asked questions later, if you get where I'm coming from. He was particularly attentive towards Eo in his mission to make more people. After discreetly covering Argos, her home kingdom, with a cloud to prevent Hera noticing, Zeus ravished too. Then, noticing that an already suspicious Hera was dissolving the cloud, Zeus disguised Eo as a white heifer, which is basically just a fancy word for cow. Hera wasn't convinced by the deception, so she asked him to present her with the heifer, which Zeus couldn't do without giving the game away. Hera set Argus, the monster with a hundred eyes, to guard her new acquisition while she made inquiries as to what it was. But Zeus later had Io stolen away by Hermes, who killed Argus in the process. Hera, a mess with grief, transferred the eyes of Argus to the tail of her iconic bird, the peacock, and sent an enormous gadfly to torment Io and prevent her from finding rest. I think Hera needs to come to the conclusion that the women and the children aren't the problem, it's her husband's inability to keep a stable marriage going. Come, come on you put a ring on someone's finger you don't then go and bash someone else or have six out of wedlock children because of course she's going to hunt them down hasn't he learned yet man. another one of my favorite myths is the danaids danaus also descended from eo returned to his ancestral home to become king of the greek city of argos no i don't mean the shopping place his numerous children were all daughters, so Egyptus, who had 50 sons, came up with the plan of marrying his sons to Danaeus' daughters and thus eventually adding the Argoloi to his already extensive empire. Danaeus pretended to go along with this idea, but at his urging, all his daughters killed their husbands on their wedding night, with the exception, with the exception of Hypernestra, who actually liked the man she'd been paired with. The daughter subsequently married Argive youths, so by the time the Trojan War of Danaeus was synonymous with, with Argive. This is why the modern phrase, beware of Greeks bearing gifts, such as the Trojan horse, is in Latin, time Deneas a don fermantes, and is more precisely translated to, I fear the children of Deneas, even if they carry gifts. That must be quite a a, a legend to follow you, you know? Like imagine if you killed your husband, and then word spread that you'd killed him in his sleep. No one would want to marry you, but at the same time you're a princess, so... Dilemmas, dilemmas, dilemmas. Now we've got Tithonus and the Perils of Immortality. Cheating death was always a tricky business for mortals, and most attempts didn't turn out well. For example, Eos, goddess of the dawn, her Roman equivalent is Aurora, if anyone remembers, once was Zeus to make her human lover Tithonus immortal, so he did not die. Zeus did so, but in a way where he wasn't immortal as such. The way Zeus made Tithonus immortal was he didn't die. He did not die, which I suppose technically is immortality. But he grew older and older and more dried up and shriveled until he eventually became the first grasshopper. Since immortality cannot be taken away, Tithonus is still out there somewhere hopping away. I mean, I'd be pretty, I'd feel pretty betrayed because of that. Imagine going up to someone you trust and go, can you make him immortal for me, please? And Zeus turning around going, yeah, all right. But with the condition, he doesn't maintain his looks like us gods do. He ages like a grasshopper. No, thank you. And next we've got Zeus and Semele. Dionysus's mother. Do you remember Dionysus? Yeah, the god of wine. Ugh. Hestia gave up his, her throne for him on Olympus. Now the penny's dropped. But his mother, Semele, once demanded that Zeus show her his true form. Zeus showed his lover his true form reluctantly and the blinding light that quickly followed Burnt her to a crisp. Pleasant. Zeus then moved Dionysus to his thigh, where he continued to grow until he was ready to come out. Why, if you knew that your lover was a god, would you ask them to show you you, their true form? Obviously, it's going to come with repercussions of some description. Why would you do it? The absolute pillock. wasn't the only child Zeus had to continue growing in his body. Athena, you know her. She came out of his head, literally cracked his skull open like a cream egg and popped out, fully dressed in battle armour. Yeah. The seduction of Hera. Surprisingly, Hera didn't immediately bow down to Zeus and become his wife. She had some self-respect. In fact, Hera was the patron deity of the city of Argos. Do you remember that? And legend says that Zeus first... Ahem... To her... In the woods near that city. Using his talents as a weather god, he created a convenient rain shower and appeared to Hera as a drenched and distressed cuckoo chick. Hera took the chick to her bosom to warm it and Zeus, having gotten to exactly where he wanted to be, instantly assumed his normal shape and took full advantage of the situation. Though, according to some of the citizens of Argos, Hera was able to restore her virginity by bathing in a sacred spring near the city, something she thereafter made her habit every year. I'm beginning to lose a little bit of respect for Zeus for doing this to his family because if not for the fact that she was his sister, she was still a woman that he took full unneeded advantage of. A personal favourite of mine is the Waters of Leith cocktail. Now I know not everyone listening to this will be of legal drinking age, but those of you who are, try it, it's amazing. You take two ounces of gin, one ounce of strawberry liqueur, half an ounce of orange juice, half an ounce of pineapple juice, and one teaspoon of superfine sugar. You shake vigorously with ice, strain into a cocktail glass, and drink. Now, here's the important bit. you got to repeat this until you either don't remember your name, or forgotten how to lift the glass. Disclaimer, it's not my fault if you end up with amnesia. But that's, that's probably the funniest named cocktail I've ever heard of. Here's an interesting one. This is almost a myth behind a science. We all know how the Milky Way exists, right? We all know it's a formulation of stars and planets and explosions in space. Yeah, we all know that. However, myth suggests otherwise. Heracles, or Hercules, as other people may know him, was the child of an adulterous affair by Zeus and was consequently savagely persecuted by Hera, even though, perhaps in an attempt to to soothe her fury, he was named Glory of Hera. You're not slick Zeus. According to one myth, Zeus once tricked Hera into nursing the infant Hercules in order to make him godlike. When she discovered the deception, Hera pulled the child violently from her breast, leaving a spray across the heavens that is still called the Milky Way. I mean, it's a bit grim, you know, but at the same time, it's quite interesting that this sort of myth and legend exists behind existing science. I don't know, it's just one of my favourites. And another one of my favourites, which I know off by heart, is the Contest for Athens. The Contest for Athens ended up causing a huge rivalry between the two gods, Poseidon and Athena. When Athens was trying to find a patron deity, the name Athens hadn't yet been established, it was just a place. But just so you all know where it is, I'm going to continue using Athens. Both Athena and Poseidon wanted it. However, there could only be one. Athena presented them with the gift of the olive tree, and Poseidon gave them a salt water spring. The men of Athens preferred Poseidon, suspecting he'd be a bit of a bad leader, and chose him, but the the women overwhelmingly chose Athena. Poseidon, having followed exactly what the men suspected, decided to punish Athens with a vicious flood that no doubt killed many. Good to know we know all the gods and goddesses are bad losers and bad winners. Do you know what arachnophobia is? Good, it's the fear of spiders. Do you know how it came to be? Ah, that's what I'm here to help you with. Arachne was a woman living in Asia Minor and boasted about her skill of weaving to be better than the gods. Athena, who created the craft, tried to dissuade Arachne from claiming so in fear something may happen. The woman ignored the goddess and challenged her to a weave-off. This was a challenge not only to Athena's effort but to the gods in general for the scenes she wove showed the Olympians at their most lustful and irresponsible. She was turned into a spider by Athena for disrespecting the gods of Olympus. But Athena couldn't deny Arachno made her point, which is why, like many otherwise reasonable people, Athena has arachnophobia. Artemis, man hating feminist, or as good was back then. Artemis was once bathing in the woods near the city of Thebes when the prince Acteon came upon her. He watched from behind the trees. This was not a good, uh, as Artemis was very well known for her dislike upon men, let let alone dishonest, pervy men. Artemis quickly found the peeping Tom and instantly cursed him into a stag. Meeting a rather sticky end, he was out hunting with his train to hunt dogs. As soon as the dogs saw the stag, they ripped it to shreds and their former master in the process. I personally believe in karma, and I think that was the finest, most delicate form of an unfaithful love triangle. Right, you all know Hephaestus, Aphrodite and Ares, right? Three of the Olympians. Good. Hephaestus was married to Aphrodite, but Aphrodite was constantly having relations with the war god, Ares. It was a very dangerous relationship as a lot of the gods' weapons and equipment came for Hephaestus, including Aphrodite's girdle. If, for those of you who don't remember that, it's just a fancy name for a belt. One day, Helios, the sun god prior to Apollo, witnessed Ares and Aphrodite fornicating. He instantly told Hephaestus, having felt in debt for him making his chariot. Ares had anticipated this possibility of Helio, so he had a young man to warn of the approach. When the young man failed to do so, Ares turned him into a cockerel, which, ever since, mourned of the morning sun. Hephaestus responded by making a fine but sturdy net above their bed. The next time Ares and Aphrodite slaked their adulterous passion, the net dropped, entangling them both in the act. Hephaestus then invited the other gods to view the spectacle, humiliating them both. I understand if you're sore and hurting from your missus cheating on you, but don't you think that's a bit far? Like, the poor woman must have been completely embarrassed for the rest of her life. Not that I'm saying she didn't deserve it, but possibly not naked. That's a step too far for me.